that it was science fiction and it was very futuristic, but it was very relevant and very present in today's time. I think what, what makes the story so different and why it's so special, partially because of the Wachowskis, is because um, they're so smart and they're so political. And, um, and so this movie very much mirrors real life. Yes, it's set in space in certain ways, but I think that you could take that aside from it and it actually is very much rooted in, in today's um, social relevance. Welcome back to another episode of Not A Bomb Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about big box office financial bombs as well as movies that critics didn't like. Brad, uh, 2024, I feel like has turned into this sort of science fiction fantasy year for us. We've, we've picked a lot of films in that genre. We are we are on a sci-fi kick. Yes, we are. Yeah. And that includes this week. Well, what are, we, what are we talking about this week? We are discussing 2015 space opera film, uh, Jupiter Ascending. Okay. Written, directed, and co-produced by the Wachowski siblings. I, I do have to ask you, um, wh- wh- why why this one? Well, this was in your recent, pick, so. recent memory, this is one of, the, one of the more bigger bombs, and I, I, I do like the Wachowskis. This is, I think, their second appearance on the show. So we did Speed Racer, um, which was shout really out Sophie. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was super popular too. Which it, I'm, yeah, it, I'm glad a bunch of people like Speed Racer. So oh yeah, of course. Um, and I do want to mention Troy, and I don't I don't know how you feel about this. I don't want to speak for you, but mm-hmm. I am going to try not to dead name anybody uh, with the Wachowskis because they have transitioned. And I don't want to offend. I, I I will try my best to to refer to them as she um, and her. But I I might screw up, and I am not here to offend anyone. So if I if if there's any mistakes done, it is not done out of malice. It is done out of pure, uh, probably just uh, habit, if you will. So it it is. I mean, it, that's a great point. We tend to not deal with a lot of the stuff that happens outside of the film that we're talking about. And I think in this case, even when you go back and research a lot of this stuff and you pull a lot of things from, um, I don't know, IMDB linear notes within like a a Blu-ray release or something of that nature, or sometimes the special features, you get caught up in the historical context of the language that they're using at that time versus anything that had happened since that time. So this film is in 2015, and we'll talk about this. This is the last film that the Wachowskis did together. Um, mm-hmm. Lana and Lily would would go on to do you know things separately, but going back and watching this film, and and just reading stuff about it, et cetera. To your point, we may <laughs> we may get something wrong and and use the wrong verbiage or or language or something of that nature. It's unintentional. It really is. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to I just wanted to mention that because I think it's. Out of respect for absolutely for the Wachowskis, because I I do, I mean, the, the Matrix is a seminal film, not just for me, but for I would say probably millions of 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 moviegoers. Well, any anybody um, who's a science fiction uh, fan, 
would probably list that film in, in it, it would have to be in the top 10 conversation, right? I was going to say top five, but yeah, top 10 yeah. easily, easily. So yeah, it, 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 they are some of the most important directors in the sci-fi genre period, just based off one entry into it, because it is so influential and so important uh, to the landscape of, of sci-fi films, but just in film broader film. Yeah. Now we will we will talk about their quality of work uh, historically. I think we we dived into this a little bit with Speed Racer, mm-hmm. but man, they they have um, they've had some troubled spots post the Matrix franchise. I think they have struggled to I, I would say garner the same sort of uh, not only critical success but financial success. But they do swing, and they swing hard. Oh, they do. They do. <laughs> so you, you're absolutely right. This is one that's been on our list for a while. You, you always read these articles like, what are the biggest bombs of all time, et cetera. Jupiter Ascending is in the conversation quite a bit. So let's kind of go back to 2015, and I think you'll talk about this. The numbers on on this thing in terms of where it started and what, did it, what it ended up actually costing is is pretty amazing. And, Correct. And the budget that we're going to talk about. So I think one of our themes of last year were all these big budget films, you know, from the Indiana Jones franchise to Mission Impossible, et cetera. A lot of these budgets ended up ballooning as a result of um, starting filming in COVID, having to pause. But uh, I, I don't know, 2023 just seemed to every other weekend was some big budget, 200, 300, 400 million dollar production, right? Yeah, we were seeing 350 thrown around for numerous films, and yeah. you start to wonder, like, what are we, what are we doing with these budgets? Yeah, so the it's really hard. You and I think about this because we we work in the numbers, right? On the, on the risk side of things, yeah. the risk in financial services, et cetera. So when when somebody tells me something cost X pre COVID in like 2015 versus what it costs today. It very much is a night and day scenario. Um, there, I mean, the, the the amount of inflation that has affected everything just in the last couple of years is ridiculous. So I, I would just urge everybody when you go, wow, that's a huge number for 2015. It actually would be a much bigger number if all of that had taken place this year, even last year. Yeah, it's almost like 1.5x, maybe yeah. 2x. <laughs> almost. I mean, yeah, it, it's nuts. But yeah, let's let's jump in the time machine, go back to 2015, lead us down this little story of when Jupiter Ascending kind of came to the theaters. All right, released February 6th of 2015 with a reported budget initially of about 175. That would balloon up to or maybe even more than 210 million dollars. That is because there was uh 2000 CGI uh, shots in this film that basically required them to increase the budgets by, oh, you know, $40 million. Well, you know, and, and reshoots cause it didn't yeah. test very well. Yes. Okay. This yeah. is, uh, this is, uh, one of those films that was cursed by the, the test audience and they went back to try to correct some of their mistakes. Yeah. Um, okay. Box office return domestically. We are looking at $47 million domestically. That is terrible. 
I don't need to tell you that that is not a good number when you're looking at a $210 million. Uh, So we're hoping for maybe a better return internationally, but we only look at about 137 million. So our grand total is $184 million total. We talk about your production budget is basically about half of your overall budget. In this case, you know, if we just conservatively say this film costs, let's say, three we're looking at almost $200 million uh, of a loss here. Yeah, so, from, from what I read, I know at least $100 million was spent on marketing. Yeah. So, yep. you know, so, $300 million plus it would have to it would have to make in order to have broken even. Correct, correct. Um, okay, opening weekend – we are looking at a, again, some of these numbers. We are looking at an opening weekend of $18.3 million. So we're slightly above 2x on our opening weekend to total box office in, in, the, in domestic, in the U.S. So not great. Did not have legs either. Um, that's good enough for third place. And it gets beat out by two films. The SpongeBob movie, Sponge Out of Water, which opened with $55 million. Wow. <laughs> uh, and American Sniper, uh, also, I believe in its first week. That was a huge hit. Uh, with $23.2 million, but that would go on to gross $281 million. Uh, that one had legs. And, and even uh, with a really terrible fake baby, it did oh, really yes, well. Oh, <laughs> yes. The, the, the fakest of babies. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so we have about, you know, we're saying 150 to 200 million dollar uh loss here. So financial bomb also critically uh doesn't sit well with the critics. We're looking at 28% with the critics and a 38% with the audience. Both are in tandem that this one is not any good. Ouch. Uh, additionally, someone who has a problem with the content of this film. No. That is movieguy.org. Uh-oh. Uh, movieguy.org is a Christian website that re- reviews films, not for the quality, but for its content. And they use a plus four to minus four scale. Uh, plus four being the most holy. Minus three, or minus four being uh, you take out your man dog wiener and you urinate all over a fire hydrant. Troy, wow. what do you think this film uh, would sit I don't know. I mean, uh, pagan intergalactic views, gene splicing. I don't know. People were not created by uh, a God. They were created by space aliens only to be farmed so that they could live forever. At least a negative three on this. It is It is a negative three. Ooh. Ooh, here we go. Oh, hold on. Very, okay, Are you ready? Music. Okay. All right, go. Uh, very strong false religious pagan worldview influenced by new age beliefs of in reincarnation and mysticism as well as some darwinism uh, elements some anti-capital statements some moral redemptive elements uh i'm sorry elements uh, exhibited in some of the characters willing to sacrifice everything to save earth and other characters find redemption 14 obscenities and 11 profanities. Action violence includes multiple being multiple people being shot at with uh, guns and futuristic weapons. Some punching, kicking, 
and one character is stabbed in intense chase sequences and battle and space battles implied genocide and yeah. some scary creatures. Yep. A brief shot of an alien man in an orgy, but nothing sensitive is shown. Nothing sensitive is shown. Okay. Some kissing two extended shots of both male and female rear nudity yeah. in a long scene where a woman is in nothing but her underwear. Ooh. Upper male nudity. Uh, Channing Tatum Lots is of it. upper male nudity all the way through I the film. I clutched my pearls during half this film because of his upper male nudity. Yep. yep. Uh, some alien women in skin, skimpy outfits, light drinking, no smoking, no drug use, and movies suggest that, that lies are necessary to give people belief and hope. Yeah. Okay. Negative three. Okay. Finally, and films you could have seen February of 2015. We have SpongeBob, Sponge Out of Water, The Seventh Son, Fifty Shades of Grey, Kingsman, The Secret Service, McFarlane, USA, The Duff, Hot Tub Time Machine, Two Focus, and The Lazarus Effect. Wow. Not 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 a great month, I would say. Yeah, but diversified. I mean, pick a yeah. genre, it's there, right? Yeah. Okay. Well. Let's talk about, people, talk about the people who made the film. We'll start with those behind the camera. We've talked about the Wachowskis before, um, Lana and Lily. So just a historical context in terms of their filmography. We get the Matrix Revolutions in 2003. I think that's their last big financial success, right? Uh, yes. Okay. So Speed Racer comes out a few years later. We talked about that one, 2005. Didn't do so hot. I think it's pretty much gained a cult following except where's my 4k i really need exactly. that thing in 4k yes. yeah then uh they follow from a directing perspective with a, a pretty aggressive film i think it's something we're going to talk about at some point as well uh 2012's cloud atlas have you seen this we have to talk about cloud out yes i have seen it another yeah. big bomb okay and then Three years later, we get Jupiter Ascending, and this would be the last film that both Lon and Lily would work on together. Now, what's interesting is they also did the screenplay for this, and we'll talk a little bit about this in production and development. But when you look at their screenwriting credits, there's one film that is sort of snuck in between The Matrix and Speed Racer. Do you know what that is? That is V for Vendetta. Yeah. What do you, what do you think about that film? I love V for Vendetta. I do too, and I think that one did actually pretty well, right? It did. It did. Yes, it did. Yeah, so it, super interesting. I mean, what what can you say about him we haven't really talked about? I, I, visually, some of the most interesting directors out there, right? Uh, correct. They, yes. Um, even like Bound visually is is pretty unique. Yes, and and I, I would say, from a directing pair that gives you Bound, the first Matrix, and even Speed Racer. That's a that's those are some to me some of my favorite films in in just I don't know the the last two or three decades. They're uh, I would agree with that. Yeah, Speed Racer is slept on, and of course, The Matrix is The Matrix, and Bound is excellent as well. Yeah, but um, do you think that this is a question I was thinking about when you talk about their filmography? Do you think? that they need somebody to kind of, I, I mean, in terms of creative talent, they bring a lot to the table, but is mm -hmm. it too much? Do they need a filter? They do, do they need a really good editor? Do they need somebody to take all these ideas 
and distill it into something that's a bit more digestible for the mass market? I, I think so. Cause I was thinking about the matrix and, and why the matrix works. Yes. It is a big idea that is borrowing from anime, Kung Fu films, science, science fiction that's been around forever. Sure. And kind of distilling it all into this genre film that's sci-fi, Kung Fu, a, a bunch of stuff, you know, philosophical. But I still think that the, the scope of that film is only, I think like $63 million. So it's a smaller film, grand ideas, but still has a lot of focus. Um, once they expanded the matrix and got it to the like reloaded and, and revolutions and made it bigger, it started to not work as more. And then their films got bigger and bigger and bigger. And I, I, I just think their lane could be like the, you know, the $75 million film, not the $175 million film. Um, it's hard to say. I mean, the matrix is so unique and so like, it's lightning you know, in a bottle. It is it lightning, is lightning in, a in a bottle. Like yeah. you could make the matrix 10 times out of 10 and maybe not get the matrix again. You know, it, it's just that sort of like, it just happened at the right time. And so, you know, all that stuff. I, I, I just don't know if, I don't know their films to me after that have a lot of bloat. So maybe if someone could, could edit it down or it also, even now looking at like all their, all their CGI has like this bright sheen over it. It's like, everything is like shiny. And yeah. I, I don't know if I, I like that look, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I don't know. I just, I feel like they are filmmakers or storytellers uh, that they, they are really good at world building. And I think what makes the matrix so unique is it does feel like an introduction into that world. And it is very deep, but also simple at the same time in terms of its storytelling technique. Yep. And they, they has somehow just found that right balance of, I'm going to give you this world and I'm gonna give you a nice introduction to it. I'm not going to explain everything. And there is going to be a lot of mystery to it. It does feel very much like the, the first chapter of a grander story, which is what it turned into. Yeah. But I almost feel like somebody needs to go, hey, yeah, let's take your screenplay, let's take your stories, et cetera, and let's concentrate on a few chapters of it, and that becomes the film, not try to cram this entire saga into one film. And I know Jupiter Ascending, I think the hope was that it would become a franchise. Uh, and I, I think sometimes that's a problem. Like when it, is, you, it is a problem. When you go ahead and say, well, we've already got 16 scripts lined up, we're going to film the first one you kind of make the mistake that if you don't get the storytelling right out of the gate, you think you're going to make up for it in the second or third film. Yep. Yep. Oh, we don't need to explain this now. We can explain it later in the third film or the second film. It's like, no, tell your story. Even the, the matrix could sit by itself. Absolutely. Cause it, it gives you the ground rules and it says, this is how it works in this world versus this is how it works in the matrix. And, and you're, you're given all of that information but there's a lot of mystery behind it. Um, I, I feel like with their films, <laughs> they would almost need three or four movies to probably fully realize their um, their vision. Yeah, their vision. But man, it, to me, it's like out of the first one, you got to do it right in order to guarantee the second one. And I, I feel yeah, like they correct. struggle with that yes. a little bit. <laughs> it's like their their ideas are too big. I it could be could be. Um, 
So some other people that are really important behind the scenes, I think, is we've got director of photography, John Toll. So he is an Academy Award winning cinematographer. He actually has two Academy Awards, one for Legends of the Fall from 94, and mm-hmm. then followed that up year, uh, the following year with Braveheart in 95. So back to back. And then he was nominated but didn't win for The Thin Red Line in 1998. A couple other things. We've got edited by Alexander Berner. And there's there's two credits I want to talk about real quick. So personal trainer and I guess dog walker for Channing Tatum is Arian Babian. And this credit, I see this every – yes. Channing Tatum is not a real dog in this movie. Did someone walk him around on a leash? Well, I assume so. I mean – He's, okay. he's half man, half dog, half bird. He's a mog. Right? mog? Okay. Well, no, no, no. He's a, he's got a bird thing in there too. We'll get to oh, that yeah. in a minute. Yeah. But this credit, have you seen this credit? I, I, so it pops up every once in a while, but in this case, it's acting coach for Channing Tatum was Nancy Banks. Have you seen that okay. credit for some people where they say acting coach for such and I such? I mean, I know people have acting coaches and that usually is like before the, the production starts, but not during a production. Yeah. At what point do you bring your acting coach on? So I, I would assume you got the job for the part because you could act, right? Well, or maybe maybe it was suggested that, hey, buddy, maybe you bring on that acting coach and have them help you while we're on set. Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering if we're missing some type of, I don't know, startup company where we could just be coaches that go on site for certain things. Like they have acting coaches. Why can't we just do coaching for a risk and just go, Hey, I follow, I follow somebody around. I mean, isn't that what a consultant is? Hey, that's too risky. Yeah. Well, I guess so. Yeah, you're right. Um, we need to be consultants. We do. We do. Yes. That is, that is not, not a lie. I I agree. Okay. So in front of the camera, Hollywood consultants would be quite amazing. I don't know if I could be a Hollywood consultant. I don't know. I certainly couldn't be an acting coach. No. Yeah. Uh, in front of the camera, Channing Tatum or Tanning Chatham, whichever. <laughs> What's your son? Yes, that's uh, that's, that's, that's a, what my son calls him. A, yep. So uh, Channing plays Kane Wise, our hero, who is half mm-hmm. human, half wolf, but also maybe half human, half wolf, and half bird. I know that's a lot of halves, That'd and it doesn't third, add up thirds, but yeah, mathematically. But yep. yeah, he he was very busy in 2015. Listen to this: Jupiter ascending. Magic Mike XXL and the Hateful Eight all came out in 2015. Yep. Yeah. Um. Okay. What? It's weird because in Magic Mike, he is completely ripped. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And in this film, like he's not like for as much as he has his shirt off, you're like, eh. are, are you saying that Magic Mike used CGI muscles on him? No, I, I'm, I, I'm saying there might've been, this this film might have been filmed way before Magic Mike because of the the post production, but oh, I'm yeah, sure Magic Mike he is yeah. absolutely ripped. Sure, you know he's in a movie. It it did well financially and critically, but I feel like we should break the rules and talk about it. But this film has come up like a bunch already this year. Uh, Logan Lucky from 2017. Ooh, yeah, just do it because people slept on it. I think so. Like, I feel like everybody forgot about it. And while it doesn't meet the criteria that we set forth, I, there should be a rule for like really good movies that people forgot about. We should be able to talk yep. about again. Yep. Um, and, and listeners at home are saying, Brad, 
Channing Tatum was in a was in a Quentin Tarantino movie. You're not going to mention it. No, I don't. I don't mention the Hateful Eight. Yeah, uh, I'm not a fan of the Hateful Eight. I need to go back and revisit it, but I can tell you, I did not like it when I saw it. I, I've watched it like four times. Oh wow! No, I will never watch it four times. <laughs> I'll give it one more shot. I'm not giving it three more shots. No, uh, absolutely. I, I just, I've tried. I've tried to tried to digest it, but I just can't. Okay. Well, then we got uh, Mila Kunis as Jupiter Jones. Around this time period, she had uh, come off Annie in 2014, and then in 2015, she did Jupiter Ascending, I think an animated film called Hell and Back, and then 2016 found some financial success in a little uh, raunchy comedy called Bad Moms. That was, that was 2016. Have you seen Bad Moms? No, I, I, there's two of them, right? Yeah, Bad Moms and Bad Moms Christmas. Yeah. Bad Moms is pretty pretty funny. Is it? Yeah, she's she's pretty good in that. Somebody was making this comment the other day, like uh, how many movies they asked how many movies I watched because every time we talk, you'll ask a question like, did you see this? And I'll say no. And it's usually around these current films, right? You, you tend to watch more of the current stuff where it takes me like three or four years to catch up. To yeah. It. Okay. Now to be fair, bad moms was 2016 and 2017, but it's yeah, on my I, radar, I just, yeah. just there's too much stuff coming out of Hong Kong and Korea. Yeah, right I mean you're you're launching everything out of Hong Kong. So to be I know, fair, I know you've got me beat there. Okay, we get uh, is it Sean Bean? Right? I get it that is. Correct? Yes, as Stinger. I I didn't pick up on this, but when you read the credits and stuff, or you read about the film, did you know that his character Stinger is half human and half honeybee? Did you pick uh, that up? I picked up on that. Well, I didn't, but when you say that, there's a, now a honeybee sense. scene. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, around this time, he did Jupiter Ascending, Pixels, and The Martian in 2015. He uh, he showed up quite a bit that year. Wait a minute. Does he not die in any of those films? Does he not? Wow. Okay. Okay. Huh? Look at him surviving films, there you go. finally. Uh, Eddie Redmayne is our villain as Balaam Abraxax. Abraxax? A brassix? A brassax? I don't know. What if it was a braxis? A braxis? Could be. Yeah. All right. Academy Award for I'm Best Actor. Nader. The what? Tony the Body. Tony Ventura. the Body. Ventura. A braxis. Oh, that really crappy sci fi film? Uh-huh. Where you, that's on Blu ray now, right? Yeah, I love that movie. You do? Well, in like a bad movie sort of way. But yes, I, I like it a lot. Oh, I need to revisit it then. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, Eddie, he won an Academy Award for Best Actor, Theory of Everything in 2014, was also nominated the year that this came out for an Academy Award, not Jupiter <laughs> Ascending. He, he did get nominated for something else for this film, but yep. he was we'll nominated for The Danish Girl in 2015. So He did, he did. Yeah, we've, we've also got Douglas Booth as uh, Titus, uh, a, brax, a brass axe. Um, and man, I, I think I wrote this down wrong. You can tell me wrong. Uh, is it Two Pence Middleton? The the uh, played the female the Kalik the sister. Oh, okay. Uh, you could be right there. What? Yeah, yeah. Is that Tup Tuppen Tuppen Tuppen? Okay. Yeah. Terrible with names. I just I am. Uh, and this last name, I just want. But we'll we'll probably talk about this. There's a there's a really small cameo in there because obviously they're they're borrowing from this gentleman's film. But you will get to see Terry Gilliam in Jupiter's Ascending as the Seal and Signet Minister. Yeah, it's like they stole a bunch of stuff from Brazil in this movie. Oh, yeah. also Vanessa Kirby is a is a comes up in this film. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. early, early for Vanessa about Kirby. four seconds. That's right. Uh, let's let's talk about production development. So when we talk about these films that bombed, there tends to be 
you know, some themes that show up. This has all of them. So you ready for this? Yes, sir. Okay. I, I, this is a little long winded, but I, I want to, I want to start with this. So in 2009, Warner brothers, president, Jeff Robinoff approached the Wachowskis about creating an original intellectual property and franchise development began two years later with the production and visual effects team doing pre-production work based on uh, pretty much f- the first half of the first draft of the script. And this is while the Wachowskis were shooting the future segments of Cloud Atlas. The story was partly inspired by Lana's favorite book, The Odyssey. And this is a quote from her. It was making me super emotional, Lana has said. The whole concept of these almost spiritual journeys and you're changed. Another inspiration was The Wizard of Oz, which Lana contrasts to The Odyssey. This is another quote. Dorothy is pretty much the same at the end as she as she is at the beginning. Whereas Odysseus goes through such an epic shift in his identity. The Wachowskis themselves described the plot of the film as an effort to reverse the classical sci-fi trope of the hero who is emotionally withholding and strong and stoic. Instead, they tried to create a new form of female sci-fi hero in the space opera genre. We were like, can we bring a different kind of female character like Dorothy or Alice, characters who negotiate conflict and complex situations with intelligence and empathy? Yes, Dorothy has a protector, Toto, who's always barking at everyone, and that was sort of the origin of Cain. I I saw that quote, and I was like, oh, so, yes, I get very strong Wizard of Oz vibes, but also Toto uh, is Cain. Cain is Toto. Yeah. So this, this is their pitch, right? And, and they're telling the Warner Brothers president, hey, we could start a franchise kind of doing Wizard of Oz, but we'll, we'll turn Toto into like a dog boy. Mm-hmm. And a mog, create a, a barf. Yeah, marf. From space Yep. Or is barf, right? Barf. Barf. Okay. Um, and Not in here, mister. It's a Mercedes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wasn't expecting that. The Warner Brothers executives, the directors were closest to, left the studio while the picture was in the formative stages. The biggest champion of our directors was Warner Brothers president's Jeff Robinoff, who, incidentally, was also their agent at one time. Robinoff signed off on casting, costumes, and production designs, but he was gone before the shooting started. And this is super important. He's signing off on all of this and gives them creative control, director's cut, etc. But basically, this film was greenlit at the treatment stage, not the script, and the Wachowskis had final cut which was super unusual at that time. I mean, you make the matrix, you can kind of pull your weight around a bit. Yeah. You say that, but <laughs> you made speed racer and it lost your company a lot of money. Yeah. And you're going to turn around and, and just sort of give them a blank check and just go, what was your idea? Oh, wizard of Oz space opera. Okay. Let's go for it. it that sounds kind of foolish. <laughs> um, here, here's some other stuff about the making of the film. An eight-minute-long chase sequence, which apparently was codenamed 52-part by the film's crew, depicts Jupiter and Kane fleeing from aliens and spaceships in downtown Chicago shortly after they first meet. It was the longest sequence in the script involving some of the film's most difficult stunts. To complete it, Kunis and Tatum had to film every day for six months, and apparently they were working with the second unit directors during Oof. this whole time. Several of the film's effects rely heavily on practical stunts instead of CGI. Tatum has noted there was minimal use of digital doubles, and instead most stunts were done by the principal actors or stuntmen attempting to match the pre-vis sequences. 
for the scenes of Tatum's character flying using the the space boots, the anti-gravity boots, um, Glass has stated that his team invented a way to use stuntmen instead of doing them digitally despite the limited available time to shoot them. They created a rig of six cameras called the PanoCam, which was mounted on a helicopter and covered nearly 180 degrees of the action. During post-production, the directors could combine the overlapped film footage, essentially creating a camera that could swing around the action independently of the helicopter's actual flying path. The technique piqued the interest of other directors who have subsequently used it in their films. Have you seen an image of this camera? Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's crazy. Uh, But apparently it was sort of innovative for stunt work at that time. The film was originally set to be released on July 25th, 2014, but it was later moved up to July 18th, 2014. On June 3rd, 2014, the film's release was delayed to February 6th, 2015 due to poor test screenings that April and to give additional time needed to complete over 2,000 special effect shots, which you had talked about in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And that ended up ballooning the budget from $130 million to over $210 million. Um, this is this is kind of funny. The film received a secret screening at the 2015 Sundance Film Festival, which was invitation only and did not include members of the press, which is always a bad sign. Variety's reporter said that there were clusters of seats during the screening that were pretty much empty. Mm. And our, I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't be a epic bomb without getting some awards. So the Colton Raspberry Awards, uh, this movie was nominated for Worst Picture, Worst Actor, Channing Tatum, Worst Actress, Mila Kunis, Worst Director and Worst Screenplay by the Wachowskis. It did, it did get one award. Eddie Redmayne got Worst Supporting Actor. He, he did snag that. He, he, uh, yes, he did. Golden the Raspberry same year award. he won the Academy Award for uh, Theory of whatever it's called. Yeah, Theory of Everything? Is that everything? Yeah, sorry. Or no, he was nominated for the Danish girl. No, but yeah, but that was. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. Yep. You're right. So there you go. A little bit of history. I I don't know, Brad. This has all of the makings that we talk about in terms of when you start hearing about these things like poor test screenings, uh, you know, executives that leave before their golden child movie is is out in the theaters, uh, reshoots galore. Probably a little bit more emphasis on on I don't know the technology and the technique more so than the script. The it sounds story, like yep yep, and also kind of add a new one, giving the directors a lot of uh, power that maybe don't deserve it. Yeah, how many directors should re- let's be honest here? How many directors should really have final cut over their film? Do you think all directors should? Or I, I believe I believe so. Yes, really. I mean, I, I would like to see all directors see their vision as they as they want it um not all of them get it and now not all those visions are good but i would like to see uh from beginning to end what they what they had in mind but yeah now i think there's a handful of directors that probably deserve it (laughs) yeah i I, i've always thought of it this way like uh, a director's final cut is important and i i think it is good to see a director's vision come to life but at the same time, I view film as sort of this community art project. And I always worry a little bit when somebody um, just has total creative control over that thing 
and you don't get other people's input to kind of come in and say, well, maybe you should tighten that up or, hey, let's lose those 15 minutes because having too many yes men, right? It's the it's the episode one conundrum. It it is. Um, I, I totally agree. It's fun to see some very innovative directors with their director's cuts, et cetera. But for every director's cut out there that I love, there's also the theatrical version that I go, oh, that was better than the director's cut. And whoever was back there saying, hey, maybe a little less is better. Um, you know, I, I think they may have actually produced a better product. Not everyone works with you and not everyone gets the joy of getting Troy's true uh, opinion on everything. So, yes, Troy is not a yes man. And that's why I respect him. And that's why I like working with him. But, yes, not everyone has you. Oh, well. Maybe they should. No, they shouldn't. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I would not wish that upon other people, but yeah. yeah, I've always, always found it interesting. Like that whole debate of should the director have final cut on everything? Should, is it truly their vision or, um, I mean, we, we talked about citizen Kane as sort of our first, uh, big classics film Yep, and that it, that definitely has Orson Welles all over it, but how much of Mank is in that? How much is the director of photography, et cetera? Um, Citizen Kane is much a collaborative work as it is Orson Welles film. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Much more than people know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm ready (laughs) to to talk about this thing. Are you, I I very much excited to talk about this film. Okay. Well, let's take a quick break and we come back. We'll share our thoughts on, uh, Jupiter ascending. So stay tuned. Uh, may I help you? Uh, I'd like two of those, please. Hot dogs? Yes, sir. And three of those. And one of those. And five bars of these. And a cup of the nice hot liquid. Uh, coffee. Uh, coming right up. Oh, and two bags of those peculiar white coffee material. Uh, you mean our crunchy popcorn. Uh, uh, shall I wrap that for you, sir? Oh, that's all right. My saucer just outside. <laughs> they come from miles to enjoy our intermission. Ruthless invaders, a defenseless planet, and a daring band of space adventurers fighting to save it. Battle beyond the stars. A lone youth escapes on a last-ditch mission that begins at the edge of the universe. A battle beyond time, beyond space, a battle beyond the stars. Starring Richard Thomas, George Papard, Robert Vaughn, John Saxon. Rated PG, parental guidance suggested. Bradster, let's uh, can, can we just real quick make an agreement? I know there are some things you want to talk about. How about before we get to those questions that you may have based on our Gods of Egypt uh, review? Okay, we talk about the movie first. Okay, yeah, and, and then we get into then the, we get to uh, the important stuff. The important stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So go ahead. 
Um, so I sat down to watch this and um immediately we're we're given some voiceover about, you know, love and this and that and hey and all this stuff. And 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 the film goes on and the film goes on, and then you're you're introduced to numerous gleep glops and a bunch <laughs> of different aliens and this and that, and you're like at some point in time, I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. They have introduced 50 million characters. Can, can we can we just say on your Gleep Glops that it's it's quite honestly the most unoriginal Gleep Glops? I was expecting oh, yeah, a lot more Gleep Glops, and we only get like a lizard, some alien-looking. Yeah, a dragon-looking one, some robot-looking things, some other, you know, region. It's all, it's all found from george lucas's trash can it's like yeah it, it's it really is unoriginal and uninspired and as much as i would like to enjoy this movie i just think it's bloated and and it's kind of boring like i think that's its biggest sin is some the action is okay like we talked about that eight minute sequence the chase sequence i think that is the highlight of the movie yes and it comes in at a, at like 30 minutes or so and then it there's really not a good action sequence at all after that um you know for for it being from the wachowskis you're you're kind of anticipating some sort of like and, and this is totally unfair but like some sort of iconic action scene that you walk away from remembering this film for like we all remember neo falling backwards and dodging the bullets it's not fair for them to like re like to, to like invent something like that every time they make a movie that would be an impossible ask no i but, i but speed racer even it's driving scenes yeah uh, and the action sequence was they they were a lot of fun yeah uh, this movie is not a lot of fun. It, it, <laughs> I think it's, I, I, like I said, I think its biggest sin is it's, it's really boring. Uh, Channing Tatum and Mila Kunis, I don't think have any chemistry at all. Oh, zero, so that, zero. That is hard. Well, and, it, and, and, and Channing Tatum had his, his, uh, his, uh, acting coach on set. So maybe he was having a problem with this, uh, dense material. I don't know. I, I literally wanted to close my so anytime they show they share like an intimate moment, I was worried I was gonna blink too long because I, I could literally just close my eyes and go, well, I, I could go to sleep right now. I, I will be honest with you, at about forty five minutes I I did fall asleep. <laughs> and I had wow. to watch some of this movie standing up because I was struggling mm, to, mm -hmm. to stay awake. Um then we get to Eddie Redmayne. And, uh, I don't know what he is doing. I don't know if I love it or I hate it, but it is definitely a choice. And it is the most scene chewing acting I have ever seen in my entire life. Is it? I was going to ask you about this. So I, I read this. He does, he does this whispering. He huh? whispers the whole damn movie until he yells until he yells. But apparently the choice on the whisper is there's this whole subplot that Channing Tatum, like, I don't know, had fleas or something and he bit somebody, right? Yep. Like a dog does. And apparently the person that he bit is supposed, now this is just what I read. He was supposed to have ripped out the Eddie Redmayne's character's larynx or something or bit him on yes. the throat, yes. which is why he can't talk loud unless he wants to and screams. That I did not pick any of that up until I read it. 
no, it's it's not like that's not in the, it doesn't like that it's not in the movie. So no, it, it doesn't not. it doesn't exist. Like it's not in the movie. Yeah. And I, I can't I can't tell if he's I don't know what Eddie's doing in this film. Again, I don't know if I love it or I hate it, but it like he definitely made a choice and he went with it. Like and I kind of respect him for it because no one else made a choice and went with it. Channing Tatum is not good. Mila Kunis is not good. Sean Bean, you see Sean Bean in the first act, yeah. and you know in the second act he's going to portray somebody. And then maybe in the third act there's going to be a redemptive arc. And he's going to come back and help. And guess what? It plays out exactly like that. Yeah. I don't and even I, know how he did the betrayal because he was, he still on the same ship. Yeah. I, I, and again, it's like these double crosses and it's like, I, I don't know where, I don't know where we are. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we're in Jupiter and we're flying through the big like storm and like the eye of the storm. And, and again, it's like, so her name is Jupiter this facility is also on Jupiter. Is that just a coincidence or is that attached to something? Uh, I, I don't know. And then there's this whole mother issue thing going on. And there's these comparisons to Alice in Wonderland or Alice, not the wizard of Oz and maybe some Alice in Wonderland as well. And it is just like drinking from a fire hydrant. There is so much going on. But at the same time, nothing going on. Like, think about it. There is so much going on, but literally nothing happens uh, okay. in this movie. So here is my analogy, okay? Um, the viewing experience is like being trapped in a station wagon for 12 hours on your way to Utah while some eight-year-old kid goes into detail about every Pokemon card he's ever owned. Wait, 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 wait. Let, let, let's let's yeah. back up on the on the Pokemon hate here, okay? No, no, no. It's have you not just sat next to somebody who's so I have a seven year old who will tell you all about Charizard, my friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. And and they will go into so much detail over every one just of these. Just wait about two weeks, he will tell you no, about I know. Charizard. <laughs> but but I I just I remember Cameron like would get fixated with something and when you whatever you're driving, you would hear every particular detail about whatever that is. Um, so yeah, this movie, I, I agree with you hundred percent. It has so much going on, just like a kid who's telling you the entire history of every Pokemon card or what they can do, but it's, it's surrounded by a, a, a 12 hour long drive going through Kansas on your way to Utah. I mean, it, it you're just going to go to sleep. There's no, there could be nothing worse than that. It, yes. <laughs> Being in Kansas. I mean, I can't even well, imagine. Settle your role, bud. You, <laughs> hey, you're trashing my you home state. A, you took a shot at, uh, at uh, Pikachu. I'm coming after you. Really? Okay. That's fine. Yeah, okay. But no, that's I agree. The, I, I'm dying on. <laughs> okay. No, I, hey, look, I, I actually kind of think the spaceships look sort of cool. Like there's some cool designs and yeah. some of the, uh, like I, there, there's a shot where like you're looking right at Jupiter and you see the big stone, like you know the big red spot, and okay, that kind of looks kind of cool. Or and, the spaceships coming out of like the cloud, like Saturn-like rings. Yeah, or yeah, whatnot. like yeah, very, you, yeah. you know. Uh, and, and of course, I think there's a lot of inspiration from something like Star Wars and and, and and all that, but I just think nothing here really works. And then at the end, I'm like, I, I don't know if I feel anything for her arc of like kind of deciding that her life that she had before was pretty great. 
<laughs> like what? Okay. Well, All I right. mean, it d- does it fit? Obviously, they're going for this Wizard of Oz, like Dorothy in the beginning versus Dorothy at the end. Yeah, it's the same Dorothy. So I guess they they did that same thing here with with Mila's character. Mm-hmm. Not really a story. Her story arc is she um, gets an inheritance. That's it. She doesn't really learn anything outside of she now. Yeah, owns she becomes the earth. like an executor of a state, and that's like the worst thing a person could be because yeah, it's hell. Yeah, it's a lot of work. <laughs> so she she learns um, what the earth was, I guess, supposed to be, which is a big cattle farm, and yeah. uh, she owns it now. But she really doesn't go through any changes, right? Yeah. So I, I was thinking about that. Is like we use the earth's resources and we're going to essentially kill our own earth because we're going to basically rape it of all of its resources. And this film was like, Oh, but what if we spun that and humans were actually the resources? I was like, guess what? You did that in the matrix when, you know, the, the humans were actually kind of the batteries for yeah. like you, we've already, we've already done this. And uh, so that's a little disappointing. Cause it's like, look, this is like the same like science fiction trope that we go down every time. It's like, Oh, what if, what if the humans, what if we harvested humans for their energy? It's like, yeah. Okay. okay, That's cool. Look, you can use the same tropes in, in science fiction films, but you got to do something and they do nothing with that. Like what happens to Sean Bean's daughter? Like where, what happens to her? What happened? There's just so many teachers. just like, what is she's hanging with the bees, man? Yeah. It's like, Okay, so there's like these little canisters that take a hundred lives to fill up. It's like, what? Okay, what? What is going on? So th- this is this is we've we've talked about prospect, like the the first two films that we talked about this year, Prospect and Midnight Special, right? Science fiction films that, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I think in in those two cases, you get some very interesting characters, and while neither of those films are incredibly unique in their storytelling. Uh, and and they borrow from films that came before them. There's something engaging about those characters that you as a viewer latch onto, and you really care about those characters, right? So, mm-hmm, so yeah. with science fiction, I think sometimes you go, okay, it's another Star Wars clone. It's in this case, they borrow from Stars, Dune, Wizard of Oz, Brazil, whatever it is, right? It's a hodgepodge of all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, and and there's nothing wrong with that at all. However, they don't give you anything as a viewer to care about. So one, you just talked about. There's nothing cerebrally. Does it? Is that a word? Cerebral. Cerebral. Okay. There's nothing that's going to challenge you intellectually, um, or even scratch that surface of really cool science fiction ideas in this film. There's nothing new about it. No. Yeah. And even like the whole like red tape. We have to go to this place to get this, and get this place to get this. It's like. Yeah, it's funny that you you Terry Gilliam, but like that is Brazil. Like you just took Absolutely. Yeah. Brazil. But but there's nothing there's nothing unique, new, or nope. or keeps you interested or vested from an intellectual standpoint, right? It's almost more offensive that they called like they had Terry Gilliam come in to do that part. To do the cameo, like, yeah. Oh, we know, we know we literally stole this idea. Like <laughs> But it, but if like, you ah. if you have nothing new intellectually and you have nothing new visually because there's nothing you're going to see here that's cool outside of, I don't know if you like ice skating in the air, because that's kind of what the space boots do. Yeah. Um, then you're left with, well, what about the characters? Am I going to care about any of the characters here? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. not. No. No. None of it. Um, 
yeah, I, I'm with you, man. There's, you know, (laughs) I can't hate this film because I do like that eight minute Chicago sequence. I think it's really cool. Uh, it's, it's a fantastic science fiction action sequence. Um, I do, even though it's a callback to Brazil, I, I did find that section kind of funny, the whole space bureaucracy. Yeah. I mean, it's the second best sequence in the movie. Yeah. Um, a, a sequence that they didn't, invent. I mean, uh, they didn't, yeah. yeah. but I, but I gotta tell you out, it's not the acting that, that gets, gets me. It's, it's the script, this script. I gotta be honest here. Some, some of the dialogue in this film is some of the worst we've ever, I guess, had on the podcast. And, and my friend, we've had BC butcher and we've had Samurai yeah, Cop. Kalo Kalen spitting dialogue on this podcast. Yeah, let me let me read some of the ones that, uh, and I'm Ooh. not going to act it out. I mean, I guess I could. I mean, it could be better than Channing Tatum, but yeah. Here I we don't go. have my acting coach here, but um, <laughs> holy shit, is this script terrible. So exhibit A, Kane, you're royalty now. I'm a splice. You don't understand what that means, but I have more in common with a dog than I have with you. Jupiter, I love dogs. I've always loved dogs. <laughs> that that's their intimate exchange. Yeah, or most or, love dogs. Yeah, or how about this one? Uh, this is sort of big. I don't know. Standoff between Jupiter and Balaam. You know, Eddie, our our whispering uh, evil guy. Jupiter, I'm not your mother. Balaam, no, my mother never cleaned a toilet in her life. Jupiter, maybe that was her problem. Yeah. And and the no, it's worst. More like, no, my mother never cleaned a toilet. Yeah. Yeah. And and this one I hate. Uh Mr. Sean Bean, who plays Stinger, the half man, half uh bumblebee, whatever. Stinger, get it? Yeah. I got it now. So he yep. says, uh bees aren't like humans. Well, no shit. They're bees. Um they don't question or doubt. Bees don't lie. There you go. That's yep. So do you know why Channing Tatum is named Kane? Because uh, canine. Canine. Yes, exactly. That's so <laughs> yeah. fucking stupid. So fucking stupid. I hate it. I hate it so much. Um, I, Could you be any more on the nose with this stuff? But this dialogue is trash. It's, it is trash. It's laughable. This well, whole- and it's a bunch of like brothers and sisters fighting over inheritance, which, you know, happens. Yeah. But. It's just like, I, I don't mind like a space opera with family drama. Like the game of Thrones is all basically family drama. It's great. Put that in space. It could work, but not with this script. Well, there's, there's these little sequences that are just weird for this film. So I'll I'll give you another example. Uh, She, and I don't know, is it her cousin? Um, that she lives with or something of that nature. Yeah, he's like, she's like selling her eggs. She's going to sell her eggs so that she can buy a telescope like her dad had. And uh, she does it under a fake name or something of that nature and then gets kidnapped by these aliens who are going to kill him. But that's when Dog Boy shows up to save her, which starts our our chase sequence, right? I I have a question. Yeah. And I've never bought a golden telescope, but is it that expensive? I that what five grand on eBay for that is that gold? what it is? What 
I thought it was made I, out of gold or something. Oh, I I would no, I don't think it's that. I, I was thinking like, man, that's like five hundred bucks. But maybe no, it was like five thousand dollars. Oh, okay. I mean, because he was getting like ten thousand, she was getting five thousand for their eggs yeah, or something. Why? Why is he getting money? Well, yeah, I don't know. I was and, he like the the. But the, why have that subplot? Why have a subplot of she's going to go sell her eggs and then? Well, okay, okay. So I, I think we can get into this because I think this was around the time that they were. The Wachowskis were transitioning, and I think if you look at this film as that, as sort of like men controlling women's bodies, it, it, it does kind of explain a little bit more. And I think if you look at this film through that lens, maybe it helps a, a little bit. Um, nope, sure doesn't. It, it's it, yeah, I, I I get it, but man, if, if it, that uh, is the case, that that actually makes me a little bit more angry because it's like just tell your story, man. Yeah, it, it, yeah. Well, but real life influences your art, and and so I could see how how that would be an important element that they want to. I don't to show. Yeah, I don't disagree with that, but at least put it in some semblance that it it propels the story in some fashion. Cor- correct. If you're gonna do it do it correctly and, and make sure it, it, it moves the story and, and is it, it helps because you watch films from people that you respect and you think about how rare it is to make a make a genre defining film the, the matrix well yeah the and genre and, defining film and by genre defining just just not only to influence other filmmakers. I mean, you go and watch Bollywood, Tollywood films today. They're still copying matrix action sequences, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is one of the most important films of the last 50 years. Sure. And it, and it spawned just there, there's all just entire books about the philosophy of the matrix. Absolutely. And, And so look, I mean, they took a lot of, a lot of, ideas from different places. Like I said, you know, different sorts of philosophies that were out there, anime, all that stuff, but they created something and they, they did it. And you look back on it when you see something like this and you're like, it is a miracle that the matrix happened because so much could go wrong. Like we could look back at the matrix and look at it as Jupiter ascending and be like, God, remember that movie? Like, they was trying to jam all this stuff and blah, 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 but they made that work. And I wonder, and I'm starting to wonder like, was that luck or was it just because you know how, like, like you're like bands, their first album usually is their best album because they have all this buildup of all this material and they've refined it. They've made it better. They made it better. And finally they put it all in a wax and it comes out and it is, you know, appetite for destruction or it's Pearl Jam 10 or whatever. And you're like, wow, this is the greatest album I've ever heard. It's this band is never going to be better than this. Granted, they had two smaller films before they got to the matrix, but the matrix feels like their first introduction as like, we are directors and this is our idea. It, it, it feels like they had this idea. They redefined it for X amount of years and then they got it here. I here. I don't, I don't, I, I think I know where you're going with this, but can I, can I use your music analogy yeah. though? Yeah. So 
I think when you talk about albums, it's not just the band or the artist, but it could be the songwriter who sometimes is the band or artist, but it could be somebody else. The producer has a huge influence on that as well. Right. So again, yes, yes. Yeah. You've got talent, but how much of that talent gets shaped by the people sort of behind the scenes working with them. Right. Yep. So I actually think like, I think you can make the case that, Hey, wasn't Joel Silver, like one of the producers of the matrix, Mm -hmm. how much influence did he have on the final product saying, Hey, for the mass market, I understand what you're doing, but let's make sure we stick to X, Y, and Z. Um, how much of Yun Wu Ping, who was doing a lot of the action choreography, you know, there's that. Yes. And, and even from what I've read on this eight minute sequence, even, um, Channing Tatum and was saying, yeah, we, we really didn't work with, with the Wachowskis on that sequence. It was all second unit. It was all second unit while they're at the tent working on something else. And to me that the best part of this film actually doesn't have the Wachowskis involvement in it from a direction standpoint. So I'm, I'm wondering if the matrix, the reason why it's the matrix is the Wachowskis had a vision, but they had a bunch of people around them to cultivate that, to be the, the, just the amazing film that it is. Yeah. And again, it's a culmination of everyone working on something and, and, and then, but I think once you make the matrix, you you get a little bit more power, right? And maybe a Joel the, Silver says, "Hey, we should do this," and we say, "Well, maybe we shouldn't because we made the Matrix." <laughs> well, did they have? I'm they didn't s- have final cut on the Matrix, did they? They did. Uh, I, I don't. I I can't say for sure. Yeah, I don't know. I I can tell you this: they should not have had final cut on this film if they no, did. They should not have. I don't um, think they should have final cut on any film. To be quite honest, at this point, it is uh, a very. <laughs> I, there, there are, there are, there are scenes that cut into different scenes that you have no idea yeah. how the scene started, where you are, uh, what is going on. I mean, it is, it is okay to cut into the middle of a scene, but you have to have the audience know where it's going, how you got there from the scene before. I mean, there's a group of people that are on the ship that. I, I guess they're like they're friends with Kane. And I have no idea about any of them. Oh, I don't I don't know either. And they show up sometimes and then we're going other places and then they show back up. And you're like, how did how did these people get here? Like I and was that a so was that confusing. a half elephant dude flying the ship? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean All right. hey, guess what? Uh yeah, it's like Lando and his buddy, you know. Well, for for a film that has this setup of, you know, splicing and, and all these aliens and stuff like that. It just didn't have a ton of, I don't know, cool creatures to look. That's, that's kind of the fun of the star Wars films and all these space opera films is, you know, the creatures in the background and all the, like the, the cool otherworldly stuff that this really is lacking a lot of that, to be quite honest. Yeah. Even the bounty hunters that show up at the beginning are, are pretty boring. They look like, I don't know, rejects from a cyberpunk uh, Italian <laughs> film to be quite yeah. honest. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I wish this movie was better. Obviously I wish every movie was better, uh, because <laughs> if you're going to invest, you know, two hours of your time and yeah. all the other research and stuff, you wish it was a good movie, but it's just not, it's just not good. And 
and I don't know if there's any really redeeming factor to it outside of the, the red tape stuff in that eight minute sequence, which, you know, when you boil it down to it was a second unit director, the Wachowskis weren't even involved with it. It's just, you, you wonder, you're like, I don't know. I, I just don't know about this. Sometimes it's like, did it, did this get out of hand to the point where, we're just dumping money into it to finish it. And then oh, I, I think get they it out. dumped a lot of money uh, in the end to try and fix it. But at some point, a movie is so bad at its core, which is usually the script, mm-hmm. that it does not matter how many more millions you're going to sink into it. You can't save it because yep. the DNA is, is is tainted with shittiness. Yep. And, it, and this is one of those films. So we'll put on our corporate hats here. So yeah. say we've got something we've already spent, you know, 5 million on it, but now all of a sudden we've got to double down and spend 10 millions on it because we've got to, you know, fix everything else. It's like, not only have we spent $5 million, but then we doubled down and spent $10 million. It's just like you, sometimes more money does not equal success or, or fixing something. Uh, you know, look at like the flash. They did a lot of stuff with the flash to try to fix it. So your, your initial investment of one seventy five, you're like, if we just spend 40 more million dollars, we'll make it perfect. <laughs> and that is a huge mistake because not only did you double down on a bad idea, but you, you know, you spend another $40 million. I mean, we're throwing the words, we're throwing millions around like it's nothing, but that's $40 million. You it's not make, nothing. Um, look, look, I mean, when, if you go back and look at this stuff from say 2010 on and Jupiter Ascending's in there, I mean, the writing is on the wall for a lot of these like 200 plus million dollar films. And, and I remember an interview where Spielberg and Lucas, all these guys were talking about it it would only take so many of these big box office films to bomb in order for a studio to go, oops, we're in trouble now. Mm-hmm. And if we don't have cash, uh, I mean, we, we saw it last year, how many movies just are never getting released because when they go back and look at it and say, well, we spent 125 million and it's total garbage. So you'd have to spend another 40 million in reshoots. If you've got to spend a hundred million dollars in marketing, hey, take the tax write off. That's what happened yep. with Batgirl. Yep. So everybody can, you know, uh, you know, you'll, you'll never know. Um, and these people, you say, well, we saw a cut of it and it's just an amazing film. I don't trust you worth anything. Oh no, absolutely oh, no. not. It, it probably was dog shit. Um, so these companies you're writing that stuff off. I, I'm, I mean, I'm kind of like, great, do that, but don't, don't do that too often and don't spend <laughs> 200, $300 million or else you're going to be like what Paramount Paramount's looking for somebody to buy him now. Exactly. Yes. And, and when we say write off, it doesn't mean that you just get to like get out of it scot free. Oh, there's no. a there. Yeah. You're, you're not, you're, you're not just being able to say, Oh, that was a bad decision. It doesn't cost us anything. It still costs you a lot of money. It's oh, yeah. not as much money as it would have. Yeah. It's like, it's cutting your losses. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's amazing to me that this made it across the finish line at the price tag that it did. Because, um, you know, we talk about just those two films that we, we kicked the year off, Prospect and Midnight Special. And for their budgets, I think they have, you know, better scripts, better special effects, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, specifically Prospect, I think, just puts this thing to shame. Mm-hmm. Um, and then more interesting characters. And you're sitting here going, well, well, 
these are the directors who brought us to your point, one of the most influential and important films, but it makes me think like, okay, well, I, I'd have to go back and look at everybody involved in that film. Cause I think they had a great idea and they had an interesting vision, but man, they had one hell of a team backing them up to kind of shape that into something that was good mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. from a quality standpoint. Cause they, they are sorely missing that here big time. Yeah. It, it's sh- this film is shocking. It is, and and I I one hundred percent put the blame on the Wachowskis because they're responsible for the script, and they're also responsible for these performances. These performances are terrible, and they sat there looking at the dailies or looking behind the camera, watching these performances, and thinking that's okay. Like, oh wow, that that exchange about loving dogs, man, that was that pulled at the strings of my heart. No, it didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, it tried to. Put hey, Red Vane, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. Yeah, you know? that's I, terrible. But like I, uh, well, like I said, at least he's doing something. He's doing. He is doing something. Everyone else is doing nothing. Yeah, he made a choice. Whether it's a bad choice or not, some of these people are doing nothing, and I kind of respect him more for making a choice. Maybe. I mean, yes, he made a choice. I think it was a terrible choice because it's, it's a terrible, terrible performance. Choice, yes. But um, yeah, this is uh, <laughs> if if you want to show a movie that just goes, look, this is how you get a director to just really produce something, and it's all on them, and it's terrible. This is a great example, and go, this is just crappy directing all around, and and screenplay, etc. I it, this is garbage. It it is garbage, and like the mother stuff, and the sibling stuff, and the <laughs> inherited stuff, and there's just all these ideas. None of them work. None of it. Well, I do have a list of questions as oh, a result okay. of watching this film. Okay. So I, I figure we could put on our, our 13, 14-year-old um, hats. Okay. <laughs> get get to the part of the show I know you're Ooh. dying to talk about. It's been, it's been a long time since I was 13, but here we go. Okay. So I have a lot of questions about this uh, um, tanning Chatham. <laughs> The Mog? <laughs> the the Mog, where he's half man, half wolf, half bird. Was that 150%? Eh, eh. Um, yeah. So uh, does he have space fleas? Or does he get space worms, do you think? Uh, yeah, does he have to go to the space vet? I assume. Um, yeah. Does he use a toilet? When he, when he takes a poop, does he just drag his butt across the carpet? I was thinking that, but I mean, th- that also brings up the question, like, does he use a toilet or does he just like shit Go in the a space yard? <laughs> uh, yeah. Does he lift his leg when he pees? Oh, that's a good one. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. Does he drag his butt across the carpet floor after going to the bathroom? Our dog used to do that um, yep. w- when she had worms. Um, can he uh, lick himself? I mean- clean himself in the, in the important areas. Yeah. Right. Cause if he can, he doesn't need Mila Kunis. Sure. Yeah. Hey, well, that, that may be why he was never really that worked up around hers yeah. because look, I, I can take care of things. Um, does, does he like hard or soft food? Uh, oh, yeah. Jade only liked the hard food. Was not a fan of the soft food. Does um, he sleep in a doggy bed? <laughs> ooh, that's a good point. We ne- we never see what his accommodations are. <laughs> so he obviously bit somebody. We think it's the uh, Eddie Raymond um, character. Eddie Redmayne. Ed- Eddie Redmayne for for no reason. So does he randomly hump people's legs for no reason? Because that's another dog trait, right? Yeah. D- does he have rabies? Did he have to get a rabies shot? Well, has he been fixed? Ooh. Right. Ooh, yeah. Or neutered. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, does he bark at the space UPS driver when the space <laughs> UPS driver flies by? <laughs> I wonder if that's an outtake where just you see something going across. He just starts barking at it. That would be awesome. Yeah. So like to, to save. So at the end to get him really distracted, they should have just had a delivery man come across <laughs> and just start chasing him down the street <laughs> with his with his ice skating uh, gravity yep. boots. Just um, barking. Does his nose dry up when he's sick like dogs do? Yeah. Um, so here's the thing that threw me off. What kind of dog has uh, elf ears? Because Channing Tatum has elf ears, not dog ears. I, I, I noticed that. He needed some floppier ears. Yeah. So it was he terrier, German shepherd mix? Because when he says wolf, I'm like, nah, I don't, I don't buy wolf. Those are not wolf it's ears. It's dog. Yep. Okay. Um, does he only um, quote unquote do it doggy style? <laughs> <laughs> I just... I assume. Um, <laughs> that, okay, yeah. Where's his tail, Troy? Where's his tail? We never saw it. it he could have no. tucked it in yeah. um, somewhere. He barfs tail like had a mind of his own. I know, yeah. Um, does canine DNA prevent him from getting bird flu since he's also half bird and half man? Okay. Yeah, That that's a question that popped up at the end when he spread his wings or whatnot, um, which also brought on the other question I had, which does he was, lay eggs? does he lay eggs since he's half bird or, and then, you know, is it dog aids? Or are they fluffy? Does, does someone have to chew up his food and spit it in his mouth? Oh, good point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, is he truly his own best friend? Like, oh, Barf. Yes. yeah. And then but Barf was his own best friend. Yeah. So the question, Barf, half man, half dog. I'm my own best I'm friend. Own best friend. He actually says, it. okay. Yeah. And I've then, seen Spaceballs a lot. And then, of course, your question. Um, yeah. Does, does he, he have a red rocket? Have what's, a, the dick look, what's the dick look like, Troy? Yeah. A red rocket for his uh, hoo-hoo dilly thing. I mean. Yeah. Kind of depends, right? Where's I don't the know. Dog, where does the man start? Where does the dog end? So if, if you met an intergalactic being that, uh, I, I don't know, was, looked moderately attractive, but just some dog ears, right? Mm-hmm. So, um I don't know. Somebody shows up in your doorstep, goes, hey, Brad, I'm this person. And mm-hmm. uh, you go, oh, you kind of look like a puppy. You're like, oh, well, I'm, I'm half dog, half bird, space person. Would would you start making out with them? Would you not? I would not. Okay. I, I would not. I would feel like I would get some sort of space rabies disease, uh, bird flu sort of thing. Yes, I, I would make sure to maybe keep my keep my distance from his mouth because I don't know where that mouth has been. Yeah. I, you don't, you don't know where that mouth has been. You don't know what it's if he's been licking doing. his own butthole. I don't know. Or somebody else's like, yep. I'm surprised he didn't who's, greet. Whose butthole is he sniffing? Good point. Yeah. yeah. Those were some of the is questions. Mark, is he going to mark his territory in my house? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know either. I, I don't care what they look like. If, if they're half dog, half bird, half, I don't know, Jessica Alba, it's not happening. I mean, and they, she falls for him immediately. Yeah. Because she's thinking, what's that dick look like? Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't think she was thinking that. I don't know. Maybe maybe, uh, I mean, maybe his tail was stuffed in a particular area where she assumed oh, that was assumed his. That, yeah. But it wasn't. It's false advertising. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's funny. We talk about space balls. This probably has more in common with space balls than anything else. And I, man, I, 
I don't even think you could watch this as like a mystery science theater comedy, make fun of it thing. It just has too many lull spots in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes itself way too seriously. Oh, that is another problem of this. Um, it is up its own ass so much. It takes itself way too serious. Yeah. And it, and it's crazy because like if, we are telling the most important story of all time. And it's like, yeah, you're not. Yeah. And it's, it's weird. It's like, here's the most important story of all time, but I would still take space balls more seriously than this film. Abs- absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I don't know. Lone star. <laughs> <laughs> what else? What else you got about this thing? I mean, there's, uh, I hate dumping on a film, but man, this, thing yeah, is- there, there's not a redeeming quality about this thing. Sadly. Yeah. Like if you want Wachowski's turned up to 11, Watch Speed Racer. Like Speed Racer is a perfect Wachowski, like in your face film. This is not it. Like I would even take Revolutions over this. Uh, Reloaded is way better. I mean, Reloaded has got the highway sequence, which I think is one of the Phenomenal. best sequences yeah. in film history. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this thing has nothing going for it. Like there's so many better alternatives. That, uh, I agree. Why, why waste your time here? Yeah, I mean, there, there really is, you could go back and watch the wizard of Oz 10 times over and be in a far better mental state than just one viewing of this thing, to be yeah. quite honest. Yeah. This old Dorothy Toto thing, like uh intergalactic hopping. It just, it doesn't work. I, I mean, to use Dorothy and then to just say, and she needs a Toto, make him a mog is unbelievable that that's a choice. Uh, yeah. The fact that that got greenlit just on them doing a pitch like that. Yeah. The, okay. Troy, we're, we're, we're sitting at the C seat. We're at the table, yeah. right? We've got all of our crusty old white men with us. And a person comes in and says, look, I've got this idea. It's, it's going to be like, like wizard of Oz. We're like, Oh, okay. Okay. And so you got your Dorothy character, right? Yeah. Like, Oh Yeah. yeah. Remember how Dorothy had a dog? Like, okay, so she needs a sidekick. Well, we're going to have a sidekick, but it's going to be a man dog. I, I know, but they- And I won $175 million. I'd be like, get your ass <laughs> out They didn't just now. do that. They told that story, and then like, hey, look at this character drawing. Look at these costumes we're going to do. And they're like, man, that's a great idea. Let me just sign this hundred and whatever we'll get to this. $30 we'll million get the dollar check for you. Mm-hmm. Bunch of idiots. Yeah. <laughs> well, Brad, I'll, I'll ask you the question then. Jupiter ascending. Is it a bomb? It is an absolute bomb. This is, I would say it's one of the worst films we've done, but it's one of the most boring films we've done. Uh, yeah, man, it's up there. It's, it's 100% earned its reputation for being one of the worst movies, um, to come out in a long time. It, it's total bomb. Like John Carter is a hundred times better than this movie. Well, I was, I was thinking about this, like a film that we talked about that I actually like quite a bit Valerian, right? Mm-hmm. So say what you will about some of the sequences in that, but if you're doing a comparison of that one versus this, even from a visual perspective, Lupuson just does cram a lot into that film. There's tons to look at. I think it's it's just visually beautiful. Your 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 aliens, your what do you call them, gobbledygooks or <laughs> gleepclops. Gleepclops, right? There's there's so many of them to look at and take it all in. And even while you could say that um, those two performances are very similar to Channing Tatum and Mila Kunis in terms of chemistry, I, I would give you that. Like they don't really sparks aren't flying off the screen, but 
Valerian still is way more exciting, interesting, and even from a story perspective, has a little bit more there than Jupiter Ascending. It, it does, and, it, and that story is much easier to follow. Absolutely. It's more straightforward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Well, I never would have thought I would have said Valerian is better than anything. Even Gods of Egypt, I think, is better than this thing. Oh, Gods of Egypt is way better than this. It's like way more fun to watch. Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, I'm really, I'm really curious to have a talk about Cloud Atlas, but I think that's that'll enough. be it'll be a while. Yeah, that's enough. Put the Wachowskis on on the back burner for a little bit. They're, they're in timeout. They're definitely in timeout. Okay, so we um, we have some listener feedback. Very unique listener feedback, Brad. I never thought that um, we would receive an invoice and actually owe somebody money because of an episode we put out. We do. We do. I think specifically more me than you, but I'll get the checkbook out. Okay. Well, we, uh, we opened the email one day and got an invoice from Randy's inner child holding company, um, build to not a bomb productions, uh, attention fucking Brad. Uh, apparently we owe $15 and 93 cents, um, to Randy now. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently the breakdown is this digital purchase of gods of Egypt, $2 and 77 cents, two hours, personal time billed at eight cents, two hours, psychiatric counseling services billed at $140. That was $280 removal or participation in any Gerard Butler of your, any future projects credited at $267. So I guess with some creative math, um, we got this bill knocked down to $15 and 93 cents. Oh, okay. I, I might be able to pay that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you you owe Randy that. But that was not the only thing that Randy sent in. Um, should should we share uh, the little voice mail that he sent us? Oh, please. Our new little segment? Yes. we. <laughs> Which we don't know how long this will happen, but we, you know. We, look, uh, we love you, Randy. We love everything that you send us. We just, we were laughing so hard at uh, your little voicemail that you sent us. And we thought there is, we we just have to share this with the world. And we thought no better way than to give you your own segment. Um, we, we, we messed around with a couple of different titles, but you know what? You're, you're just going to be introduced to it right now. So without further ado, um, here's a, a little segment, segment um, starring our, our good friend, Randy. It's time for Randy's Reflections. Okay, so you mentioned that you might want to cover Mother, and I demand that you do that. I personally didn't land with me, but it's one of my premier movie going experiences because I saw it with Watch Skip star Jose and I have a habit of George Lucasing my memories and as I recall that now at the end of the film um, it was a dramatic moment and it reminded me very much of The Warriors the scene where the punks have just shot Cyrus and they turn and point at the Warriors and said the Warriors did it and because at the end of that film Jose stood up and said and, and yelled boo 
boo this movie! And I really felt like I had to like cross grab him across the chest and drag him from there before the glitterati of art viewers uh, murdered us. It probably didn't go down like that, but that's what I'm gonna remember in my nursing home. So you must cover that film and you must have him on it. Thanks, bye. There you go, Brad. Uh, we got to do Mother like real soon. We yeah, Mother has creeped up on us quite a bit, and and everyone seems to want us to do that. So, uh, like after that story, we have to. Yeah, like yeah, we we got to. Yes, yeah, we have to. We, we have push to have Jose up. on here, so we'll we'll push it up. Yes, we'll do it. We'll do it soon. Yes, thank you, Randy. That was an amazing story. Um, please just keep sending them in. That that's fantastic. Absolutely. Uh, Brad, what are we doing next week? Oh, oh, it's my Troy, pick. Yeah. It is your pick. Uh, and you know what? I, I don't remember what we're doing. So let me stall here for a second. Well, and, it's, uh, it's the, uh, it's the movie that had all the different endings. Oh, it is clue. Yeah, Troy. We're clue. doing clue because it is getting a release on 4k, right? It just did around Christmas time. We, we were going to do clue just actually a few weeks ago um earlier but uh we we tried to get a special guest to come on the show uh and the only time we could we could make that work is actually next week so yep. we pushed clue back because we wanted to talk about it closer to the 4k release um but we we were we're just really excited to have this person come on because we love this person a lot we're going to keep it a surprise just in case anything happens but uh <laughs> yeah clue um shout factory i think is the one that put that 4k out it uh, I believe so. Yes. Yeah. Amazon sells it. I just bought it from there a little bit ago. So yeah, I'm excited. Uh, it, and I think we'll spend a little bit of time kind of talking about movie, I don't know, gimmicks and things yes, that, you that know, is the most, one of the most gimmicky of, of gimmick film gimmicks of all time. Yeah. We might, we might share some of the other ones we've heard about. Um, I actually got to experience one from William castle, nonetheless at the Alamo draft house, which was a lot of fun. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about next week. Clues, uh, clues, an interesting film has an interesting history and, um, I'm super curious if it's still as funny now as when I, when I thought it was when I first saw it. So I don't know. I have not seen clue in probably 20 years. It's been a while. It's been over a decade, but I remember loving it a lot, but I'm oh. curious. Uh, I'm curious if I, if I still find it a, as goofy and funny as, as I did. And I'm assuming like it might have even more special ending. I, I don't know. Cause I know there's some maybe that weren't on the VHS. So we'll, we'll yeah, I haven't watched the, the new one yet, the uh, 4k yet. So we'll yeah, see. I'm, I'm super excited. Cause there's a lot of special features on that. So I'm going to dive mm -hmm. into it. Yep. So uh, what else is going on? I, I guess we should talk about um, other shows that they should be listening to. Yeah, well, also, I, I wanted to, you alluded to it earlier, but we did release the first episode oh, of yeah. Not A Bomb Classics. We did Citizen Kane. So for those new listeners, uh, last year, in 2023, we did a series called Breaking Brad, and we watched some of the worst films of all time. And after 13 episodes, or after 13 uh, uh, movies and 12 episodes, we decided, look, we, we've got to do something or we're going to go crazy. So we decided to look at some of the most classical, some of the greatest films of all time. 
Sammy, Jose, myself, and Troy all picked three films, uh, and we are going to discuss them throughout the year. And uh, the great thing about that is we know what films we're doing. Um, if you listen to the Citizen Kane episode and you listen to the intro, uh, that will allude to a lot of the <laughs> uh, the uh, movies we're doing. So uh, we hope you enjoy it. I we released it um, just a few days ago, and, and the feedback art has already been great uh, because we did a film that everyone has seen or most people have seen. So, yeah. Yeah, and it's I'll say this. We're not bringing anything new to the table in terms of the history of the film or stories. Uh, it's it's kind of funny. We had some feedback about, oh, did you know what Rosebud really meant? It's like, yeah. it, it It's a fun little fact about the making yep. of Citizen Kane, but – I think uh, I was kind of proud of us just kind of sitting down and talking about some of the themes or what resonated with us about the film as many times as we've all seen it. Yeah. Um, and even our first impressions versus what we think about it now. But uh, I'm excited about that. And the next movie we're going to do for um, uh, February, right, is Deliverance. Correct. Yes. Yes. Um, so uh, with that, yeah. some of the other podcasts you should listen to, you should listen to uh, The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. Watch Skip Plus. Jose and Justin just released uh, a new episode where they kind of give some insight to the future of that podcast. So go listen to that. I almost cried. Uh-huh. Uh, the uh, VHS Files podcast, Night of the Living podcast, Backlook Cinema, the Mixtape podcast, Movie Struck, and Raiders of the Podcast. Troy. If we happen to be on YouTube, what is the YouTube channels we should check out? Well, you can check out our YouTube channel. It has one trailer for a Jackie Chan film. Which it, it does. Yes, it yeah, does. We, we were playing around with that. We might do some more with it soon. I, I, I am, might convert all of our episodes to audio files and just upload them there, too, because yeah, apparently a lot of people listen to podcasts on YouTube because they're already there. So, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll throw some fun stuff up there. Um, but you should also listen to our good friend, John. He has a a fun little one man show over there called. And now for something a little bit different, he was just, uh, I guess on the show, what last week with us. Correct. Yep. <laughs> man, it has been a week, what, hasn't it? What a time. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, go check that out. And Brad, if anybody wants to share their thoughts on Jupiter ascending, or, I mean, we got a lot of open spots this year. We've got a lot of movies. We're, we're trying to put a schedule together, but if there's a bomb you really want us to cover, like how do they get a hold of us? Yeah, like like mother was a, a suggestion that came in a little bit ago, but it seems like everyone is like, no, do mother now. And so if that happens to your pick, we'll do it much earlier. But uh yeah, that is not a bomb pod at gmail.com or head over to not a bomb and hit the contact us button. I am currently in the in the uh process of doing some updates to the website. So some of the stuff is a little bit broken right now, but give me some time. I'm 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 fixing everything. Um, or you can hit up our Gmail account. That's not a bomb pod at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and, and people, I I'm sorry. People have, have told me, I keep calling it Twitter. It's X. I'm always going to call it Twitter cause I'm an old man. <laughs> so Twitter formerly or X formerly known as Twitter there. You know how, you know, you've made a stupid fucking mistake. If people have to say your new title formerly known as. Yeah. Fucking stupid. Yeah. I agree with you. Um, I still call it Twitter. I know it's yeah. X. Yeah. But, uh, and hey, listen, folks, if you get a chance, we don't ask this very often because we don't do this outside of just our own, I don't know, personal entertainment. 
But uh, if if you if you <laughs> but have people happen to listen and we still don't know why. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't. I haven't figured it out. Um, if you get a chance, leave us a review. Maybe add some stars on whatever platform you're listening to. I think we found that when people do that, we ended up, um, I guess, showing up on some recommendations. Yeah, Spotify um, had us recommended for quite a while. Yeah, we, we we appreciate that. Yeah, that's awesome. And I and I don't completely understand it, but apparently, the more that you like something and uh, kind of put a thumbs up or give it five stars or whatever is happening out there. Yeah, and duration of listen. Yeah, listen to our whole episode. Yeah, uh, apparently it it does uh, wonders, and and we pick up new listeners, and we're really at the end of the day, we're just trying to build a community of people who like movies and want to talk about movies with us. I think we're pretty good at responding on social media um, within, you know, a day or two. <laughs> Every once in a while, something slips through the cracks, but not often. But we just we love hearing your thoughts about the movies mm-hmm. we talk about or even movies we should be watching. So uh, and, you know, we would love to find another Randy out there who who just is telling us all these films that we need to catch. And uh, they're just amazing. So if that's yeah. you, send it in. Yeah, and if you want a film to come to Blu-ray or 4K, recommend it to us because we have a really good track record of doing a movie and then about six months later, it getting announced to be released on 4K. It's yeah. it's happened quite a bit. But Speed Racer, it has not happened to, and that's no, just a travesty. Still, we're still, still waiting for Speed Racer. Yeah, I agree. Well, I think that's it, right? That is it. That is it, sir. Okay. I don't know if you're listening in the morning, the afternoon, or evening. Thanks for stopping by, hearing our thoughts on Jupiter Ascending. Come back next week. Hopefully our special guest will be here. And we're going to talk about a fun, I don't know, mystery whodunit uh, comedy called Clue. And, uh, you know, go watch it. Come back here. And, and we hope to hear your thoughts on it, too. So we'll, we'll see you next week. Don't lose your head. <laughs> <laughs>